This is episode 62. In this episode of All Hazards, we catch up with the director of Southern Wind 2019. Southern Wind is a full-scale exercise, a multi-task force mobilization exercise, otherwise known as MOBEX. It's designed to demonstrate the ability of Southern California-based urban search and rescue task forces, and of course, to meet all kinds of requirements for FEMA's various programs in response to an incident involving a radiological dispersal device, RDD. Now, federal grants managed by Cal OES pay for the majority of the cost, which is an important investment in California's ability to respond to urban disasters. And in this case, as I mentioned, those that involve radiological elements. Not nukes, folks, don't get that confused. We're talking dirty bombs. It's two days long and is designed to induce the same kind of stresses these USAR teams would normally encounter. So let's get started as we talk with Richard Ventura right now. So we're out here at the uh, DelVal uh, training facility uh, outside of Los Angeles, California on a real beautiful day. If you're lucky, you can hear the birds uh, behind us. But we're in the shade sitting outside with um, the director of this exercise, which is known right now as Southern Wind. Uh, Richard, thanks for being here. Richard Ventura, everybody. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, well, it thanks. It is a beautiful day. It, it really is. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why I wanted to have this outside. We're in the shade, so it's comfortable, and we can listen to the birds. I don't mind hearing the birds in the background. But um, let's talk about the exercise itself. Uh, this is a, a very large exercise known as a full-scale exercise. Tell me about what the exercise is and what the goal is for this. Sure. It's a full-scale, multi-agency exercise, and it's between... Cal 8, San Diego, Cal 6, Riverside, Cal 5, Orange County, and Cal 2 is being the gracious host, Los Angeles County, by letting us use this, you know, this facility. Awesome. Um, and then Los Angeles Fire Department, Cal 1, is also helping facilitating some of the design things and people that are working as evaluators. But the, really, the, um, the ultimate goal for this stuff is to test our preparedness to respond to emergencies. And, you know, it's, a, it's very specialized. In California, we're incredibly good at mobilizing resources for wildland fires, as you know. Mm-hmm. We do it every year, all summer, all fall, uh, during the fall. Um, but the USAR teams are a little bit different. So the Urban Search and Rescue Program, uh, Type 1 Task Force is what we're testing. And we're also testing hazmat uh, weapons of mass destruction type um, assets that each task force has to make sure we're prepared to respond to that. So that's what really the objective is to work together a multi-agency exercise, and to test those specialty resources to make sure they work the way we think they're supposed to work. This exercise is essentially part two. Part one uh, was last year. This is similar to what we had there in Sacramento for the northern part of the state. This is the southern version. Right. That was a sleep train exercise at the, I guess they call it the sleep train arena now, right? It used to be yeah. the Arco Center. Right. Right, where the Kings played. Um, yes, that was the first part of this, so we took some lessons learned from that developed our own exercise. Um, this is actually rescheduled. It was supposed to happen in... November. No, yes, th- yeah. November. And <laughs> the, like I mentioned, the mutual aid system before, we had the campfire in Paradise, and then we had the um, Woolsey fire here in Southern California. They believe is the biggest fire, one of them two is now the largest fire in California history. So true to form, we were prepared for that, and we've rescheduled, and here we are today on this beautiful... May yeah, day, yeah. Right? yeah. Fingers crossed that no fires break out between now and the end of the week. Well, I'm concerned though. We might get. We've had 
rain, we've had wind, we've had fires. I think locusts is the next thing we're supposed locusts, to have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, so uh, the apocalypse is on the way. Right, zombie apocalypse, that's the other thing. So <laughs> hopefully we're not going to see either one of those things. Because um, we do have a pretty comprehensive exercise. And, yeah. Uh, so this exercise um, was rescheduled because of those incidents throughout the state, but uh, we're prepared for it, and a lot's gone into it. Essentially, over a year in playing the whole exercise, there's a lot that goes into it. There's injects, there's um, just getting the facility and coordinating the timeline with all the other resources, because we are just at the edge of pre-fire season, and a lot of the agencies are getting ready for the you know that next event. So <clears throat> this, though, opportunity prior to hurricane season for the areas that have hurricanes and our task force to respond to that and to make sure our teams are, you know, routinely ready to deal with us. I think um, if you watch the news regularly, you saw they just arrest, they had an arrest um, in Long Beach for some homegrown terrorism. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we just need to make sure we're ready for all those eventualities. Yeah, I, you, you have to plan for the worst, hope for the best. Um, and the only way you plan for the worst is to do exactly what's happening out here. And this isn't the only exercise that goes on. Typically, firefighters and USAR teams, they, they exercise off and on all year round, essentially. But this is a big one. This is a big one. Yes, it's incredibly rare for us to be able to get all the teams together. And we you know, are enjoying some support from Cal OES and, and the Federal Office of Homeland Security because we got some grant money to help mm -hmm. run this because it is incredibly expensive to do this. The training is incredible. The realism is as real as we can make it, so it's an opportunity for our not just our new people, but our veterans to exercise some skills that we don't routinely get. You're right, we train on a local level, but yeah. getting the teams together like this is really hard to coordinate. Yeah. Tell me about the realism uh, of this particular exercise and why it's important to have that realism. Um, it's it's really, it's, it's like, um, you know, we run, the military uses simulators and our fire officers use fire simulators where they sit in the seat and they are that and they test them and they stress them. This is the same type of thing we've set up here. The scenario is very realistic. We even have some um, actors that'll be here playing parts of um, injured citizens. Mm -hmm. We even have some specialty ones that are actual amputees in real life. Oh. And they've created like a, almost like a, well really not almost, it is, a battlefield type amputation scenario where part of the body is trapped and they have to run through that scenario. Wow. Each team will have that. You know, the moulage teams that, that come out for movies, we, we have that also, along yeah. with the scenario of just the command part of trying to integrate all this stuff, which the skills are incredibly important, but the hardest thing to simulate, to really do on an, uh, work through on an actual incident is the command and control part. Mm. We're working with civilian, working with the National Guard, working with law enforcement, um, the other task forces, local fire departments, local law enforcement agencies, trying to coordinate all that. That's the realistic part, too, that we, we have going on here for the next 48 hours is that scenario, which is, is just as important because it doesn't go well in the command level. The guys are doing their best at the lower level, but it's, it's got to go together. You said it costs a lot of money to do this. So to do it uh, this year, once prior, uh, last year, um, the goal for this, if you were to say, if you were to base your success, this exercise, what, what would you base it on? What would be the goal? Well, I'm going to add a little bit to that answer. Okay, go ahead. I think it's the commitment to of the fact that um, it's coming from the governor yeah. and the governor's office that they they made a commitment that we are we need to exercise this particular scenario. Um, started there, and the goal is to test our preparedness, and it's also to test our preparedness with hazmat slash you know weapons of mass destruction type scenario. That's what it is okay. for this particular one. So that's the main objective. And, and the other objective is to work 
is a cohesive unit between all the different agencies. So it's not a pass or fail kind of a thing. Not at all. It's more how prepared they are. In fact, I, I describe it as a um, it's a learning based scenario. So if we have we have plenty of controllers who are going around evaluating what's going on, running the exercise. But if they run across something they can use as a quick teaching moment, let's correct. We want to correct it there so we can be more successful on the actual day of the. You know, hopefully it's never going to happen, but the day it actually happens, that we're ready. How do you incorporate that radiological element into this exercise? Well, um, the nice thing is we talked about multi-agencies helping out. We have a lot of people in different organizations that are really good at that. So bringing them in to help us. So part of how we the scenarios we have today, as we're setting up for the operations tomorrow, we have something called just-in-time training. Mm -hmm. So we have people coming in nuclear regulatory personnel from all over the state and the feds too, who know a lot about that. And they're going to provide some education because one of the things we've noticed uh, in the first exercise, and I, and I think we'll see a little bit here, it's, it's a natural, we hear radiation, we think nuclear explosion, Chernobyl, bad, bad stuff. And it is, uh, you know, it can improvise nuclear, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Nuclear device type scenario, a global thermonuclear weapon, we think bad devastation, and it definitely can be. But at the same time, radiation in the right situation isn't necessarily as bad as we think it is. We limit exposure. We control the environment. We provide decontamination-type um, operations to make sure people are coming through that okay and helping alleviate some of that fear. Um, it's kind of like <laughs> I used a scenario that I said, you know, it's kind of like um, you're taking your dog to your vet. They're happy and their head's out the window, right? And then they get to the door and they plant all four feet and they are not going in. Right. Well, firefighters are the same way. They they know about radiation, but they don't know as much as we could do. So this just-in-time training is to help them, hey, you have good uh, protective clothing. You have great, really good trained hazmat personnel. You've got state-of-the-art monitors. Use all that stuff. We can decon people. You're not going to walk out of there and you're going to collapse and your hair is going to fall out and you're going to die. There's, there's, there's ways you protect your things. So we're going to reinforce that. Okay. And, and that is one of the objectives too is not only the tactics, but it's also getting them more comfortable with the clothing they do. I mean, you look at firefighters in general. They do some incredibly dangerous work. And they do it quite often with um, the thought that their PPE is going to protect them and they're going to be fine if they use it. They wear it like they're supposed to. They'll do all kinds of things. Yeah. So this is the same thing we're getting them – you know, more familiar with um, our capabilities. Now, uh, just as was done up in the northern part of the state with the exercise up there at Sleep Train, uh, down here you have some small uh, elements, I assume, uh, that have some kind of radiological. Tell me about the use of that and, and the safety that goes into using those little samples, if you will. Yeah, well, we have some protective containers that we use to do that. The exposure, that actual stuff, it's really meant for the monitors to be exposed to it. In other words, they, the monitors go over the, the actual equipment, not the person. Yeah. Um, they get a reading and they can use it for the scenario, but it's still protected. Uh, a lot of this stuff, though, is not like it's not like taking a, a, um, a panel out of a nuclear submarine and it's got you know radiation involved with it. It's actually very controlled. A lot of the stuff you can just carry in your pocket. They send it in U.S. mail because it's not dangerous, but it gives us the type of reading that we're looking for. And then this is essentially a dirty bomb type scenario. So where do they get the radiation? You know, that's always um, the biggest part of putting these things together. The detonation and the yield of the actual explosion is really the problem. The radiation disperses, and then over a period of 100 minutes or so, that stuff starts to come down. 
we're isolating those areas. We're getting the readings. It's very safe. It's controlled. We're going to have people right there ready to do it. And it goes back into that safe container. And it's taken from the scene when we're done with everything. And they, they have to time themselves. There's a timing element based on the level of the reading, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes, there so is. So they have to calculate that. Yes. So this scenario for them is, you know, the exposure of our personnel, how long are they going to be doing it, how big is the yield, um, was there a secondary device, was something they're going to have to deal with. Mm -hmm. but the explosion thing it really isn't. It's the radiation focus and how they interpret what level of PPE. Right, and so the radiation... Um, they can then remove the problem or isolate the problem, and they can work around that to conduct rescues. You know, regular firefighters that show up in, in Class C um, protection, which is or Class C or D, like turnouts commonly referred to, right? Those type of things provide an incredible amount of protection, but it's time distance shielding. The time you're going in there, how far are you from the source, you know, and it, the, all that cut plays together. So it's the same type of thing here in these scenarios is they evaluate the problem, um, there's lots they can do working around that, and as they um, remove the source or isolate the source, then they can do even more. And they're constantly going to evaluate the level of protection they have. The, the urban search and rescue teams, the federally funded ones, um, that are, and there's eight in California, they have all kinds of level of protection. From the basic um, BDU or battle dress uniform, like the military wears, or fire department uniforms that they wear, that, that's done, that's worn routinely for like breaching and breaking building collapse scenarios. In certain radiation exposures, that's okay. We also have other levels and respiratory protection levels to allow us to work in those environments for an extended period of time. So, But the hazmat personnel are constantly going to be evaluating um, the source and what's the proper level of PPE that these people should be wearing. Okay. That's built in the scenario too. Cool. And there's cool. another plane going there's by. There's another plane, but yeah. we'll go ahead and we'll work through this. Final thoughts here. I just want to get your impression on this exercise today and what your expectations are. Oh, my expectation is success. Of course. <laughs> and hopefully that's going to be talked about later on. Wow, what a successful event. Um, and, and I think it will be because these teams, this isn't their first day. These are incredibly experienced rescue personnel. They have trained on smaller scales on these um, potential for this event. Um, just with their local fire department, police agencies, but and they've also done it as urban search and rescue task forces. It's just bringing everybody together for it. Um, I, I see. I think it's been very successful. And the nice thing about your urban search and rescue teams in California, even though some are in Northern California and some in Southern California, they're not strangers to each other. They all they know each other pretty well. And I deal with people from Sacramento all the time, or Menlo Park or Oakland, and they come down here and they recognize us too. So that's another part that's probably it. You know. Um, something maybe people don't note, notice is that it's that relationship we really have with all these agencies that helps make these things incredibly successful. Perfect. All right, Richard Ventura, who is the uh, director for this exercise, Southern Wind, here at the L.A. County Fire uh, Training Center, Del Val. We appreciate it. Uh, thanks for your time. Anytime. So as of this recording, Wednesday, May 1st, 2019, Southern Wind is well underway and will end on Friday, May 3rd. My thanks to Richard Ventura for taking time out of his very busy day, the build-up day for his exercise. Our Cal OES media team shot a ton of video of this exercise and we'll post it very soon on Cal OES's social media pages, YouTube channel, and at oesnews.com. So be sure to check it out. It really will give you a whole new perspective it's a very impressive operation at an amazing facility out here in L.A. And thanks to you for, quote-unquote, tuning in. 
to use an old school term, we'd love for you to subscribe to All Hazards on your favorite podcast platform. And if you have any questions or ideas for me, send me an email to questions at caloes.ca.gov. For everyone in the Cal OES Office of Public Information, I'm Sean Boyd. Take care and be safe. You've been listening to the Cal OES All Hazards Podcast. Don't forget to check out our podcast page where you can find past episodes along with show notes and links. And give us a social shout out. Tell others about us on Twitter and Facebook. And let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you.